Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello, everybody. I'm John Hindorf, and this is our look forward to the 2024 FIA Formula One World Championship presented by the best ever TM and the most ever TM. We'll get on to that in a moment. But the best ever and the most ever, if we're going to have that, then we have to have our best ever and most ever. And he's with me. Well, sort of. Uh, We are connected across the airwaves and we can say hello to Nick Damon. Hello, Nick. Hello, John. Hello, people out there in this land. And of course, it's the start of a new season. There's only one way we can start it. It's hooray! Possibly not. Yes. Um, before we get into the machinations of yes. uh, <coughs> of each of the teams um, mm-hmm. and where they are, we need to talk about a few things to to sort of get things rolling. First of all, calendar. There are yes. too many dates. There are twenty four which start at Bahrain in on the second of March. And we have three Grand Prix in March, four, one in April, two in April rather, three in May, three in June, three in July, one in August, three in September, two in October, uh, two in November and two in December, including the finale on the 8th of December. It's the longest as well as the most uh, races we've had in a season. Yes. And uh, we have got... Uh, the sprint races with some changes there uh, at which of those races? The six of them isn't, aren't there uh, this yeah. year. So effectively, we've got 30 races this year. It's just too much. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I don't want to be in a total agreement with you. Well, the interesting thing I would say, John, is that in of we have most races ever, the longest season ever, we have 24 races. We don't have a single new race. Yes, we it's have... just a case that after all the mm-hmm. kerfuffling and unfortunates around the uh, the COVID um, pandemic, um, race was getting cancelled. Don't forget the Chinese Grand Prix was cancelled as late as last year's cancelled was because of COVID again. And, and well, unfortunately for them, in between it being cancelled, the race where it should have been run, things are cleared up. But this is the first full season when everything's been available since 2019. And everyone's put their hand up and there are contracts being signed. We've had a couple of new races in that intervening five years. And so we have a 24-race calendar, which um, is, of course, exactly what Liberty want Mm. and probably what Sky want and and insert your local broadcaster here. Mm. Not overly sure it's what the team personnel want. The teams like the cash, but the team personnel are not so sure. I think it's too many. I think, you know, it's it's a big circus to move around the world. And I, I... I don't think more is more better, especially if you have a season like last year. Um, and, no. You know, that's the problem. You know, it, 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 you know, in 2021, we've all had 10 more races. Fantastic. But those 2021 seasons come along, what, once every, at best, 10 years? Yeah. At 15 years. And otherwise, you'd have to be counting, the last few races, just counting down to the way it's all over. Uh, China, Miami, Austria, United States, uh, which is Cota, isn't it? And uh, Sao Paulo and Qatar all mm. have the additional have sprint. Uh, yes, <laughs> have all paid for the extra races to make it 30 races this year. There is a change 
to the sprint weekend and how they work. And it's, it's kind of what you've been saying would make more sense for quite a long time, isn't it? Well, yeah, they decided to put the sprint race together with itself rather than splitting it yes. either side of, of qualifying. Um, so this year, sorry, sorry the last, last season, 2023, uh, you had FP1 on Friday, then you had the Grand Prix qualifying on Friday afternoon, then you had the sprint qualifying on Saturday morning and the sprint race Saturday afternoon, the race on Sunday. What they've decided to do is make the sprint qualifying now Friday afternoon and the sprint race uh, Saturday morning with Formula One qualifying on the Saturday afternoon. The thing I can't find out, I'm still, I think it's what the Park Fermé rules are going to be in between hmm. um, the sprint race and qualifying. And I, 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 please, if anyone has seen them and I've missed them, can you tweet them out? But I think they're still under under um, sort of like question mark whether it's going to be the cars are going to move out of Park Fermé after the sprint race. Yeah. Uh, and therefore they can sit back up again. But that's the key thing, really, because otherwise, you know, we had the issue which we had um, two or three times actually last year, most notably in Cota, uh, when teams carried forward the um, misapprehensions they'd made in FP1 into the first qualifying into yes. the entire race. So, in the situation, where I think four cars started from the pit lane in Cota because of the fact they realized they were going to have issues with the setup they put on the car for the sprint race. And two cars, um, Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc got um, disqualified for plank wear, which is something you, you would sort out by having more practice time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that was a bad sign. I mean, th- th- this whole sprint race thing hasn't worked. Drivers don't like it. No one's that interested. Yeah, the drive to survivors who will literally be leaving in the next two years think it's great. Um, none of the pure, none of the purists like it. Yeah, oh, it's great to have that. No, it's not. The race is pointless. The, 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 I think that the, the, I'm sure it's been particularly galling for F1 to have another succession of relatively rubbish races that mean nothing and then switch on their TVs every two weeks and see the, the MotoGP sprint work so well. But we've discussed why that is. It's, mm. it's down to the fact that the bikes can be different for a 12-lap race than they are for a 24-lap race, whereas the F1 cars it still can't overtake when there's 12 laps, 24 laps, or 100 laps at some tracks. So I think we've had... Well, is this the 2021? So, two, It's fifth year coming up for sprints, isn't it? And I think we've had three good ones. Yeah. It's very track dependent. We've said that before. And there's yeah. not really. I think Brazil worked okay, didn't it? The year that we. we one of the times we had it at, uh, at Sao Paulo. Um, a couple Vegas of. Vegas other... worked well last year. Yes, it, it did. track as well. That helped. Yeah, yes, that's true. Um, I, I've. But it's, I still don't see the point of it. I said, I Vegas didn't have one. I just got confused by that. Vegas didn't have a sprint race. Just the race itself works so well. I thought it was a sprint race. Uh, <laughs> true enough. Um, other changes. Uh, slight difference to DRS this coming season? Yes, it's being turned on a lap earlier because they've just got to find somewhere staying, staying, staying close to whichever car may be leading. And that actually came out of the sprints. It was te- that was tested during the sprints last season, yeah. and with yeah. uh, more uh, more betterer and more more races, power mm-hmm. unit allocations uh, being expanded again. Yeah, they got four. They were they were having three, and someone pointed out that was a bit you know optimistic. We didn't. We, we uh, last season we had very few power unit changes compared mm. to the season before or any season before. So hopefully with four they can uh, they can get the whole way. But yeah, so uh, it's it's twig. I mean the thing to remember is these these are the most stable regulations year to year I can remember yeah. on the cars. Yeah. There's virtually nothing I think there's a couple well, of tiny tweaks. 
Well, yeah, let's, so those were the sporting regulations, technical regulations, the Catholic Grand Prix, where everybody overheated. Um, you're now going to be allowed a scoop that will cool down the, the driver in the cockpit area. Um, of course, when you use that, is that just, can you use that anytime? Because people will use it for aerodynamic purposes, of course, won't they? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a scoop is different from an S-duct. I think they're, they're talking about like a, you know, like the old IndyCar scoops in the, the past. Oh, okay. So I'm sure it's been defined the way in which the F, F1 is certain no one can use their advantage and it's already been worked out how to be used by the advantage by the teams. It should be a spec part, really. Um, there were some mm. wheel covers that were used in wet weather conditions. They're going to be further tested through the season. Um, crucially, with no changes this year, but changes on the near horizon in Formula One term, teams are not allowed to start wind tunnel or CFD work for the new 2026 season uh, until 1st well, of January 2025. Well, that's true enough. They, they can do preliminary research, um, but they can't do wind tunnel or CFD uh, for that until January the 1st, although... As you say, it's rather pointless at the moment because we haven't got a set of full set of regs. Um, uh, and the tyres, Nick. Oh, what's happened this time? I didn't know that. Uh, well, what they done to them? Remember uh, at the 2023 Hungarian Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix as well, I think, uh, drivers were only allowed 11 sets of tyres. Oh, we're doing this again, are we? Oh, we're doing this again, are we? No. No, it's been thrown out. We're going to 13 oh. sets uh, per driver every race weekend. The so they're not... Are they trying that um, qualifying concept of hard hard section one, medium section two, soft section three again? Or has that been chucked out as well? Oh, I, don't, I don't... I think that's been... I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the, the hardest compound... I quite like that. No, I did. I quite like that. I did as well. Um the hardest compound, which was called CO, was uh, that came in during 2023, but nobody ever used it, so that's been dropped. So what was the C1? Um, will uh, uh, do you know what? I don't care. Uh, but it it's slotting three, in between the three tyres. They'll moan about them wherever they are. Yes, one of them won't work, and they'll have to use the other two. But whether it's the softest one that won't work or the hardest one that won't work, who knows? And uh, the ban on tyre blankets has been rescinded. Um, and forever, forever, yes, forever and ever, mm. and ever and ever. Um, and I think that's a really, really good move. Do you? Yes. Well, I don't. I'm going to I'm no. going to disagree with you there. I think it adds um it adds some interest. I think we we spend a lot of time criticizing false jeopardy in in motorsport hmm. and manufactured issues and I believe that that is a manufactured issue for F1. F1 is a selection it really really think about a two-stop race it's three half hour hmm. two half yeah three half hour runs. It's it's completely different if you think about what you're doing um, in World Endurance Championship, where you might run three hours in a set of tyres. Yeah. Therefore, that lap and well, a half of cold is, 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 is not... A, you know, it's, you're, you're, you've got one lap of cold and 100... Top of my head, 120 laps of running yeah. against you know, two laps of cold and 12... It doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I think different different classes suit different rules. And, and of and course, F1, there's, there's no advantage to not changing tyres. You have to change your tyres in Formula 1. It's mandated. So yeah, exactly. given that, yes. So I've, I've now changed my mind completely in the space of uh, two paragraphs. Um, and no, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm with you. Um, I, I'm with you on that. So you just had to think it through. Um, yes, if because you've got mandatory tyre changes and you don't f- fill up with fuel anymore, it doesn't make any difference. You don't get an advantage for keeping your, your tyres 
in good nick, do you? No. So there we no. go. All right. Uh, there are, therefore, uh, 10 teams, and we're going to take them. I don't think we've Ooh. done it this way before. Yes, well, indeed. And there will be 10 <laughs> teams for, for quite some time. But um, if, if you've been in a cave without internet, then you'll know that, um, that Liberty and the Formula One teams, not the FIA, uh, decided that Michael Andretti's team and the Andretti F1 team, and, backed, and GM. backed by GM, uh, wasn't, w- wasn't going to bring anything to F1 uh, meaningful enough to have them as a team, and therefore their uh, application to be part of the paddock has been uh, thrown out, Uh, although they did say to GM, if you'd like to come and back another team, that would be really good. Uh, GM respectfully declined uh, to do that. I'd be surprised respectfully. Mm. (laughs) Well, those are my words. So we're going to take these uh, in alphabetical order of the constructor, Okay. Can I can I just say one thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we we I'm not going to I'm not giving away the end of this in that we're not expecting a stellar season, and we no. didn't have a stellar season. But didn't we have a fantastic off season? Oh, the off season is still <laughs> rumbling on uh, as well, of course. And we're not we're not going to say anything about that because we'll cover that in midweek motorsport, possibly <laughs> yeah, with amazing, many <laughs> many many playings of the Crown Court music. Uh, to be honest. Uh, so, for this longest, uh, most races uh, in the history of ever in motorsport, um, caref- ever. I carefully, I, I carefully um, uh, negotiated <laughs> around breaching anyone else's copyright there. Um, oh, it's the greatest spectacle in opticians. And yes, greatest <laughs> spectacles of themselves. Actually, it's the greatest <laughs> spectacles, the making the greatest spectacles of themselves, isn't it? That's what it is. Um, well, they play, they, uh, sorry, uh, we'll talk about uh, We've probably already heard it, because I'm sure we've talked about it on Movie Motorsport. Because <laughs> yeah. that's ridiculous, that argument. Well, well, we're going to, we'll, we'll cover that. Um, yeah. Alphabetically in constructors. Oh, alphabetically. Okay. Right. Now, wow. this is in constructors. So, we start <laughs> with Alpine Renault and their A524 with the Renault E-Tech RE24. Uh, the constructor mm. being Alpine Renault, they get in first with their team name is BWT Alpine F1. And their two drivers in the number 10, uh, Pierre Gasly. Well, I'm really looking forward to my second season uh, in Alpine. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better than 12 months ago. I know I know the whole team. Uh, I know a lot more about the car, about the project, about our processes. And uh, yeah, it just uh, feels nice to have to have some sort of continuity and uh, a bit of stability. And uh, going into this 2024 season um, in a yeah much uh, much better place and a very good mindset. Yeah. Personal targets are always the same. You know, you always want to deliver um, the best job you can with the, the car you uh, you get. So at the minute, uh, we don't fully know where we're going to stand in terms of performance. So I'm very excited to get to Bahrain and get a first feel with the uh, with our new car. Um, what's for sure is we've been working a lot over the winter. Uh, as I say, I'm feeling great within the team. Um, feeling good with the with the guys and uh, yeah, ready to to get going for. These 24 races uh, season that uh, that's coming. Well, my preparation for the 2024 season uh, started last year actually. So we were already in the simulator, um, trying to work on the, on that new car, 
and uh, well, physically it almost never stops. We finished so late that there was a small break over Christmas um, and New Year, but then yeah, right after that, um, straight into a, a training camp. I went in um, in the Middle East to to train hotter conditions. And uh, no, I must say I'm feeling stronger than ever. So very happy with the with the preparation, uh, training wise, and and my physical condition. So mentally in a very good place. And um, yeah, uh, we got green lights everywhere. And um, yeah, it's just uh, time to get in the car and uh, start the proper job. The first impressions. I mean, obviously we've been working on it in the simulator, um, trying to develop. And at this time of the year, you know, you you find gains quite uh, quite quickly. We started with a, decided to go with a new car, a new project, um, which uh, requires sometimes, you know, to develop all the areas um, of of improvements around that uh, that new car. So. So far, um, yeah, it's it's good, but I want to see what it's like um, at the track in Bahrain. We're going to have three days of testing coming and then the first race in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it's really about time to, to get at the track, get a, um, you know, a better read of the potential, a better read of the car characteristic of the year. And uh, and then, yeah, yeah, we know what we, we got to do. We know what we, we need to improve and uh, yeah, we'll try to develop that car as fast as we can. All 24 races. That's uh, you know I'm looking forward to every single race. I, I see them as uh, an opportunity uh, to win every single time. So you know that's the mindset coming into every race. You always try to to do the best. You prepare yourself in the best way. There's a lot of work uh, from the whole team. You know we're thousand five hundred people trying to really nail um, every single um, you know parameter to get the best car possible on Sunday. And you no, know, it's. Uh, 30 races actually with the sprint races so that's how I see it and uh, yeah, definitely very excited for this uh, coming season and number 31 Esteban Ocon yeah it's uh, obviously fantastic to be uh, you know racing for so long uh, with such a prestigious team um, you know I've been five years now uh, into into the Alpine team and Renault team back in the days but uh, even longer as a junior driver so I have a very long history with uh, with the Enstone squad and and also the, the Viry-Châtillon squad uh, all together. So, uh, yeah, it feels good to, to go into a new one, continuing the work that we've been doing. And uh, obviously, yeah, very much looking forward to, to work with uh, all the guys, uh, you know, that we, we've been putting through hours of work uh, in these all five years. Yeah, my, my target is to be, you know, on top of my game, uh, you know, at every race. Um, that's what I want to be achieving. I want to do the best uh, you know that I can do uh, every single time maximize the potential of the car uh, you know that we have underneath us and um, you know come out of the year having no regrets you know thinking that we, that's what the maximum um, there was and that's what we've achieved you know that's definitely the most important for me first impressions of the A524 uh, definitely a big change especially um, you know with with the design, um, you know, it looks very aggressive, obviously, with, with the black, as you can see uh, on, on the design, but uh, it's a very different car uh, compared to last year underneath. Uh, a lot of work has been going, you know, um, on to, to present that car, uh, you know, for you guys today. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's super exciting times and yeah, I can't wait to put it on track. Yeah, super, super excited, um, you know, to be starting uh, this 2024 season, the highest and longest in, in history um, in Formula One, 24 races. Um, you know, it's going to be awesome to, to restart that year. You know, if, even if I've been doing quite a few seasons, uh, it's always super exciting to, 
put the pit limiter off, go full throttle for the first time, and uh, yeah, doing that all around the globe, it's, it's more than special. It is a British-based French team with two French drivers, and uh, it's not gone brilliantly well for them in the one and only test that we had at Bahrain before the start of the season. Well, yes and no. <laughs> it actually went very well for them if you look at reliability, number of laps, and working through the right. program, which are important. Very. If you look at the other thing that's quite important, which is actually having a car that's quite fast, not so good, um, which probably is more of an issue these days when everyone's reliable. I think you know Alpine, Renault, since the Renault, the Renault takeover of Team Enstone, which was, what, 2017, 2018, they, they wrested it away from... Jenny Capital, um, has been a succession of over-promising and under-delivering, false hope, false targets, constant confusion at the top level, sackings and appointments, which made no sense, and inability to run the two sides of the organisation, over-interference by the French side of Renault in the racing side, and then under-interference by anybody with the racing side, and then... Some the loss of some of the great loss of two of the top drivers in F1 going into this season. They both were signed and should have been driving for the team, but they're now driving for other teams and, and proving their worth in Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastri. Um, mm. And a team that lost its entire higher structure management virtually from uh, halfway through last year. It stumbled on with various promises and designed this ground up brand new new concept car. Um, for the third year of the regulations and made the same mistake that everybody made in the first year of the regulations in that it's way too heavy. Yeah. So they've managed to build an overweight car when everybody else, yes, everyone, if you remember the first year of these regulations, everyone with the exception of Sauber were overweight. And Sauber, well, from as it was then, had an absolute, you know, marvellous time in the first few races because they were 10, 15 kilograms lighter than everyone else, which is worth like 0.3 of a second a lap, which is in the middle field, midfield is a huge amount. But then everyone got their act together and, and, and eased the weight back and worked out with the components. And now every, every single car, I assumed prior to the Alpine of 2024, were actually at worst on the weight and most of them under the weight mm. and therefore were able to use ballast to move things around, which does help the tuning of the car. Alpine have built this new car, new concept, and managed to get it spectacularly wrong in the most basic way because – yeah, we talk about what weight is the biggest enemy of any racing car because, you know, it's not like a, you know, your aero concept might get you a point one or point two, but weight just sits there sapping everything from the car. And, of course, getting weight out of the car, the only way you do that is by redesigning the parts which are overly, overly engineered one by mm. one. That's a very slow process. And expensive, so, and you don't necessarily have well, that cash. And that's very true. And it's interesting that the the... When you were at the launch and you saw the very, very minimalistic livery, which, you know, everyone was going, oh, well, that's because they want to, you know, move the weight around or whatever it may be. But the, the reason for that is they actually, that's actually too much livery mm. for a car that's overweight. And it's, it's very hard to say anything about the car apart from that because it starts with you know, one wheel tied behind its back. And, and <laughs> again, it's another, another drop ball from the Alpine team. And, and Team Enstone should know what they're doing. They're literally most people knew what they're doing have left. Um, and yeah, we could, we could we could run around in circles and say, oh, who's better, Gasly or Ocon? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're, you know, if you're driving a walrus, it doesn't matter. 
So they need to get to point four or five or six races in where they can shed some weight off this car and hope they aren't too far behind. But their chance of making, of even matching their relatively poor sixth place mm. of last year seem, and it's on the back of one test and what they've said, to be in tatters already. Now, we did see fantastic comebacks last year um, from McLaren, who started with an absolute dog of a car. So it's possible they could also make a come through, a comeback. But you kind of sit there going, there's no real evidence the team knows what it's doing. Um, mm -hmm. It's setting its sights as nothing. Um, so my feeling is that they are going to be uh, very likely to be a Q1 eliminator, eliminee, sorry, in Bahrain. And then it took a long time for things to get better. Um, you kind of end up thinking how long before Renault... Renault's patience runs out, or are Renault just doing a Haas? So Haas basically is sitting there, um, they're selling their milling machines, and perhaps Alpine, it's just their, it's just their marketing budget. As they, of course, Alpine are bringing out several new road cars over the next couple of years. Actually, beyond just the A110, they've got an electric car coming out. There's going to be an Alpine range within um, the Renault you know, an Alpine performance range in the Renault, perhaps that's just the marketing budget, and they don't care. It's not very good. So, no, it's been so badly mismanaged since, since Flavio left, really. When is that, 2010? Yeah. Well, so, there's been 14 years of multiple purchases and mismanagement down at Endstone, and I don't think that the turnaround season is 2024. Uh, it's a very pretty car. I got to look at it. There's some clever <laughs> stuff going on underneath. Um, they've moved around various pieces to change the aero balance. They will be able to fine-tune um, the aero and do different rear wing configurations. That was all part of the, the redesign. But if it's very heavy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to struggle. Uh, we'll move on. It's Nick Damon with me, John Hindorf, as we look at the FIA Formula 1 season uh, to come in 2024. And uh, by constructor, it is Aston Martin Aramco Mercedes with their AMR24 using the Mercedes AMG F1 MI5 engine. It's M15, I know, before anybody says. Uh, the team entrant is Aston Martin Aramco F1 team. And it's uh, the pair of numbers that are closest together. Oh, how I long for the days when we used to have consecutive numbering. 14 uh, uh, is Fernando Alonso and 18 is Lance Stroll. There's been a couple of false dawns for the Silverstone team. Um, the AMR24 rather uh, sounds to me like it should be going to Le Mans rather than uh, doing the 20-odd the races. Is that, There are 24 this, races this year, aren't there? Three, four Grand Prix and six sprint. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, well, okay, maybe 24 um, as well as the year. 24 for 24. Um, where are Aston Martin and Ramco Formula One team with that Mercedes engine and the package? Um, well, they've got, beyond more the engine, they've got all the bits they can get from Mercedes, which is, um, includes the rear suspension, which is interesting because, as we come to it, they have this year's rear suspension, whereas Williams still have last year's Mercedes rear suspension. Anyway, that's a story for another team. Um, obviously, Aston Martin were the absolute stars um, outside Red Bull of the first half of last year. They hit the ground running at the Bahrain test this time last year. Looked great. Back that up with a huge number of podiums for Fernando Alonso, who proved that age is just a number when he's fitted he's ever been, TM, and his greatest drive ever, TM. Um, and then they faded a bit in the middle of the season as other teams improved. And they came back on the last couple of races with a couple of upgrades, but it wasn't. A, they certainly weren't as competitive by the end of the season had been at the start. And they kind of picked up where they've left off. I think they 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 very comfortably have settled themselves into this pack of cars just behind um, the Red Bull and the Ferrari. It seems on testing pace. Not necessarily things will all change this weekend, of course, but on testing pace. 
Um, Fernando Alonso is still as bullish as ever. You know, he, 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 he's always good for a quote. Um, you know, he loves to throw little, little bombs in. And he's obviously, he's obviously, yeah, I think he has his eye on the potential of getting a Mercedes drive in, in the short term. Um, now that seat's been vacated uh, by Lewis for next year. So he's got lots to drive for. Um, the question really, I think, about this team is, is if you look at the other teams, they're, they're, they're competing against Mercedes, they're competing against McLaren, they're competing against Aston Martin, probably against Ferrari as well. And all those teams... What do all those teams have, John? Um, one good driver? No, they all have two good drivers. Uh, There's only one team with one good driver right. and one driver who occasionally turns up. All right, I see, um, I see what you said. that's the son of the owner. Oh, now, well, you did say Aston I'm Martin not, in there, you see. That's what threw me out. You, you said the no, so what, what, what haven't they got? Right. So, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point about it is, it, it is that is the big difference. Is that you know you you, you Landon Norris, Oscar Piastri, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Ch- Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso. Yes, yes, all of you, great. All all those no, no, seven names of fact, Lance Stroll. Hmm. Now I'm not a big. I'm not a member of the Lance Stroll's rubbish um, group because I think Lance Stroll's a very very competent racing driver. I think Lance Stroll has you know he's a Formula Three champion. He's proven himself he's got pole positions he's been great but i just don't think he's got that level of consistency you need at the top mm. and he just disappears for weekends and turns up for other weekends and, it, and it's you know probably needs a um psychological mental you know, mental coach but they call it what they're called now um like a and performance that's the, that's coach or something point. yeah that's the one yes the that and, and that's the weak point of a team you can't be again you know Having too much weight is one wheel behind your back, but having one driver who's constantly there or thereabouts, then not there or thereabouts, is the other wheel behind your back. So that's Aston Martin's problem in a much closer season. Yes, I'm sure Fernando will pick up the odd podium, but for for constructors' points, mm. when you've got a good weekend, you need both your drivers to score well, and I yeah. can't see that happening. They've got a lot going on as well at Aston Martin with the Valkyrie being developed. They've just unveiled a new GT4 and a new GT3 car. Um, that all comes under Aston Martin PT, performance technology. Um, and uh, th- it's a big organisation now, and that's all hanging um, off, or at least very adjacent to the Formula One team. And, and there's some crossover of personnel there as well, which I'm, I'm sure is very good <coughs> for... Um, very good for their... Um, spreadsheets and cost cutting, uh, cost capping, but um, will they take the eye off the ball? I don't know. The ingredients are there. Um, but as you say, Lance, I mean, Lance on his day is a good driver. I mean, he. he yeah, 100%. He, um, well, unfortunately, well, you know, a lot of this is, is conjecture. That's why we do these things. Uh, the third team we're going to talk about is quite simply Ferrari. Uh, they have the SF24 with the Ferrari 06612 engine. Uh, the entrance name, the constructor is Ferrari. The entrance name is Scuderia Ferrari. Uh, and it is 16 Charles Leclerc. Uh, and tis he. And 55 for, the, for his, uh, effectively his... His lapse of honour, uh, Carlos Sainz Jr., uh, the two drivers. We just did the first laps, which is a very exciting moment of the season. Um, everything felt good. Everything worked as expected. So uh, I just can't wait to be back in the car, to be in Bahrain already. But uh, the first feeling was, was good. It uh, worked as, as expected. Yes, well, first one lap and a half of... Uh of my uh, start of the year here with Ferrari 
everything went smoothly. We had no, no issues, so we did a good installation lap. Obviously, very early days, we just uh, did a lap and a half, as I said, but uh, impressions were good. We just uh, getting comfortable in the new car, starting to, to, to push it a bit later in the week. You always feel things for the first time when you jump in the new car. You feel things like, for example, the steering, the feeling that the steering gives you, the pedals, the driver feet position, how you are, well, how's your position compared to last year in the car. So these are the fundamentals and then checking that all the systems and all the sensors work. And later in the week, we can start focusing on uh, performance and start pushing the car to a limit. Now, you mm. and I differ in our thoughts of, of, uh, of the balance of this team because I think, I think Leclerc has blown his chance and his star is waning. And I still think that Carlos Sainz is one of the best drivers to come through in, in recent years. Yeah, I mean, none of this is me saying that I don't think Carlos Sainz is a great driver. Um, I just don't think his ceiling is is where Charles Leclerc is. Mm. Um, and it's the accessing of that ceiling that Charles does reach occasionally and perhaps doesn't reach often enough. Yeah. And there's still the odd error thrown in is is the is the question. Uh, at the very top teams, you need drivers who've got the very top ceiling. And, you know, then again, you, you mitigate that with number of mistakes against the ceiling. And then you think, well, that's still fine. And Charles, you know, uh, last year was definitely fastest at the start of the season. In the middle of the season, the car moved around. It went back to, it went towards Carlos, certainly just after the, the summer break. And then they called, they changed the car again. And Leclerc was the quickest car, quickest driver, sorry, uh, at the back end of the season. Um, he's got a lot to prove this year, Charles, because he's yeah. about to have a quite a well-known teammate next year. And it's, 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 it's a weird situation that has happened with the announcement that uh, Lewis Hamilton will be joining Ferrari for 2025. And, that, you know, and, and coupled with Red Bull's theoretical and very likely dominance, everyone's already kind of forgetting about this year and thinking about next year already. It's like True. written off the t- championship a week before it started. But Leclerc's got a huge amount to prove. Um, he needs to, you know, cement how absolutely number one he is. So when the new guy comes in, he doesn't find himself very quickly usurped. And don't forget, Ferrari, <clears throat> whilst they are a different team from uh, how they were in the past, it's, you know, Nigel Mansell was, was stellar. In 1990, and but as soon as Prost turned up, the whole team gravitated towards him, which resulted in in 89 or 90, 89 wasn't it? Then 90 and him leaving, you know, because they've never been good at office politics, have they? I I mean, you you could you could say that a number of teams down through the years have worked. uh, Look, Frank Williams used to set his drivers against each other. Um, all the time, but F- Ferrari in particular don't seem to be able to keep two two top drivers happy, and that's why they've they've not tried it for such a long time. Well, no, I mean, I think yeah, if you look at when they've been super successful, which is the Ross Brown, Rory Byrne, Jean Tot era, it was very clear: driver one, driver two. Mm. Um, you know, and that and that continued on until. Um, past Schumacher's time until unfortunately they had the problem where Felipe uh, Massa started outperforming Kimi Raikkonen who went off the ball for some reason um, after his world championship and then they had to juggle two drivers, riders and then of course it, it, it just went downhill and, they, and Alonso wanted to be number one and they were trying to do it and that was during the time we weren't allowed to have a number one anyway it's a long story but basically Ferrari have had a lot of issues in putting together a coherent challenge and a coherent management structure since uh, Jean Tot left in six or five or seven or something like that. Mm. Um, and in fairness to Fred Vasseur, who took over last year, he does appear to have improved the team in its teamwork 
in just about every region. I'm not saying mm. it's made stellar improvements. It's gone from being, you know, worse to best. But there's, there's, there's less indecision. There's less mistakes. There's less confusion. There's, there's a very well-presented um, public face. There's more teaminess. Less obvious... There's more teaminess. Yeah, exactly. More teaminess. Mm. More teaminess, less m- muck-ups, mm. I would say. Yeah, you know, I still wouldn't have. Yeah, you know, I still wouldn't choose their strategists over about probably seven of the other team strategists, and I still wouldn't necessarily say that they've, they've, they've quite got the power dynamic and the advice dynamic between the drivers and the race engineers quite right. Um, however, it all did seem to move in the right direction. They've made some good signings. That they're, they're moving forward, and you think as a team, Ferrari is a better. T- no, I'm not. Not if definitely as a team, Ferrari is a better team for having 15 months of Fred Vasseur than not having 15 yeah. months of Fred yeah. Vasseur. But obviously the Nets kick on. He's done low-hanging fruit. Now the Nets kick on is, is the one that counts. Correct. Um, the car they designed um, does seem to be very quick. Um, it's, it's again, it's not, it's, it's, it's the least Red Bull, ape, Bull aping car of all. They've stuck more with what they want to do. And their concept was last year's car was great, but it at its tyres, it was a bit inconsistent, which is why obviously it got polled so often. Mm. So, so right, if we can drive a car that d- designed the car now, which doesn't eat its tyres, it's more consistent, then we, you know, we can see gains. And that appears to be what they've achieved. They've achieved a car that is better on long runs and more consistent. The drivers like it more. Now, whether that ultimate performance of that package is good enough to compete with the Red Bull RB20, not the 19, the 20, mm. um, remains to be seen. But certainly from, from lap times, it seemed the car that was most likely to do that. We, you know, they were probably trying. We don't think Red Bull were particularly. But, you know, it's, it's, a very, it's a very positive start for them in a year where they are, you know, trying to see what they can do and see if they can actually take the fight to Red Bull rather than just waiting to pick up the pieces of the one time Red Bull make a massive mistake like Singapore. Uh, mm. uh, the vagaries of how we've done this means that all the Ferrari engine uh, teams entrants rather come together. So we move now to Haas Ferrari as the constructor, the MoneyGram Haas mm-hmm. F1 team, money grabbing um, Haas F1 team. Uh, the car <laughs> is the VF24, lots of 24s this year. Engine, same as we said before, the 06612 and... Uh, as you were, Kevin Magnussen in the 20, 27, driven by Nico Hulkenberg. Now, even Haas themselves have said, don't expect us to be bothering the sharp end of the field. And that was, I think, even before they went to Bahrain. Um, it, I, mm. I don't, un- some time ago, you used to say, I don't understand what uh, the Red Bull Junior team was for at that point, because they seldom brought anybody up through it. Then, of course, we had Max and one or two others and, and, and. Um, I don't understand Haas um, and the, their F1 team. They just never, they just don't seem to have gone any further forward. Uh, they've not really opened the doors to partnerships in the US. Certainly haven't opened anybody's checkbook or bank balances, have they? Um, and it just has, it seems to be a, an opportunity that has not been uh, capitalised on in every sense of the word. Yeah, it's certainly been capitalised on financially after almost um, going out of business in 20 or not be, or G not being prepared to put any money more in, more money into it. They're now obviously a, a massively um, profitable and very valuable asset for Gene, which he doesn't want to sell. Um, 
they made the big musicals right at the beginning of the season by um, party great Gunter Steiner, who is the the leading light personality of the F1 paddock, and uh, you know the person known to all of the uh, the Netflix viewers, which is apparently with anything that's important these days, uh, and replaced with Ayo Komatsu, who is a very um, experienced race engineer and uh, had, had been doing sort of the number two role for Gunter. Um, this effectively means that now no one cares about the team, and that includes Gene Haas. Um, <laughs> at least some people have some investment in Gunter. Um, you've got Kevin Magnussen and uh, Nico Hulkenberg, two good journeyman drivers who, if you're not Danish, no one cares about. Um, in a team that is all it's trying to do is not be as bad as last year on its tyres, which means it won't do what it was good at, which was get the occasional P, uh, Q3 qualifying. So no one's going to care about them. Uh, and they'll trundle through the year. They'll spend some money. They'll make some, and, and Gene Hass's investment will get bigger. And we'll all sit around going, well, there's only 10 teams let allowed in F1. Why the hell are you one of them? Mm. Um, so they are na- they're nailed on for last. The are they nailed on for last in the, in the Constructors' Championship? It depends how bad Alpine are, but I, I can't. You, you kind of think a team that wasn't scoring points last year now redesigns its car to be not much different from last year's car mm. um, when other teams have moved forward, and all they're trying to do is make it a bit better on its tyres. I mean, realistically, if you were to say yes, it's going to be last, but then you, at the back end of the grid, John, you know, you can have a fluky one fluky result can change your year. Well, that's a good point. It rains nine cars, nine cars spin off, and suddenly you get a fourth. And that's enough points to ping you past the others. Because, you know, with modern F1, the reliability is so strong, mm. even with points down to 10, it's really hard to pick up points unless you have pace. Yeah. Uh, next up, the third of the Ferrari, third and final of the Ferrari engined uh, constructors and entrants. The constructors uh, are Kick Sauber Ferrari. The chassis is the C44. They are entered under... The uh, mouthful of, stand by and take a deep breath, steak, F1, team, kick, sauber. Basically, what they seem to have done, um, and I read it deliberately like that, it is just like those stickers that you put on, the, the magnets that you put on the fridge, and they've just picked six of them, <laughs> um, or five of them. Stick, F1, team, kick, sauber. Um, I don't know why you'd want to kick sauber. Um, and why Steak F1 team would want to kick Sauber. Uh, is it a team name? Is it an instruction? I don't know. Um, anyway, they run the Ferrari 0-66-12 with uh, Joe Guan Yu and Valtteri Bottas, 24-77. Their car numbers. Um, they are in a period of um, rather a period of flux at the moment, sort of a holding pattern, aren't they? Um, somewhere over Slough, um, with Alfa Romeo <laughs> stepping away, and uh, they'll become the Audi Works team in 2026, or will they? Um, we, everyone who's supporting that programme for Audi has been moved sideways or left. Uh, it's a strange one for me, this as well. Um, their future is by no means... Uh, by no means solid, uh, but their presence, well, how will they do in 2024? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, this weird sort of limbo the team's got itself mm. into as it waits Limbo's to become the Audi word. Works team, which is like four years it's taken them to do it. As Audi's slowly buying more stuff and apparently invest in infrastructure and have a number of internal rows about who's going to run the, you know, it's, the absolute worst of German middle management we're seeing here. <laughs> um, you know, 
and 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 yeah, there's no other way of putting it. You know, I, I must admit, I, I kind of feel that you know, that the most recent massive TV success was Succession, wasn't it? Which was all about the machinations yes. and infighting effective news international. Yes. Why series two has got to be about VAG, hasn't it? Surely. Oh, well, th- listen, that'd be a fantastic program. But Nick, Nick, series two, <laughs> it would the, you would you would have more you'd have more series of VAG than you've had of um, <laughs> Thingy Abbey, um, Downton Abbey. Because <laughs> well, no, if you think about it, well, it'd be great for the Americans because they could actually start off with the most popular thing in the world, which is something about the Nazis, and move on from there. If they could get sharks into the program, they'd have a. But honestly, VAG it's a, it's an absolute soap opera. You know, that it always Porsche, has been. You know, it has been because of the family. themselves. Mm. Yeah, sorry, Porsche outthought themselves. Imagine, managed to cock up the uh, the buying of VAG so much they got bought out by VAG themselves. Well, that was. You see, you know, this is like it's just brilliant. That was because they got the on the wrong side of a short of the shares um, some years mm. ago, and um, what they were trying to do was to ensure the uh, continuation of parts supply for the shared platforms and they ended up getting themselves um, bought, effectively being bought up by the, the, the main group. Now, that there's talk of Porsche coming back out of it again. Look, whatever is happening with Audi and F1 is merely, and I honestly mean this, we in motorsport and particularly people in the F1 paddock think it's the biggest thing in the world. That is but a footnote on a single page of a tome that is thousands of pages long when you look <laughs> at, at Auto Union, at Audi and Porsche, the Piesh and the Porsche families, and what's gone on since and what's happened uh, since um, Piesh died. Uh, and what's going on with Audi's motorsport uh, programs and the fact that they've basically liquidated two and a half decades of motorsport history and endurance racing and, 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 and. Um, I, I don't know. And I, I, I ask the questions and we're pretty well tapped in with people in Germany. We've got some good contacts there. And there's an awful lot of not very German style shrugging going on that people are saying, we, we honestly, we don't know where they're going. The constant change of, uh, of senior personnel within Audi, um, particularly the ones uh, that were most supportive of the F1 program. It was Hoffman, wasn't it, who was the the mm. latest one to go? Um, I think I've got his his name right, um, but that's the second big uh, big name and big proponent of Formula One to go recently. There will be those that say, ah, the sunk cost, the sunk cost argument. They've already spent hundreds of millions of dollars. Look, they've probably spent half a billion so far because they've they've, they've had to cough up a third of what they were going to pay Sauber, haven't they? Which is approximately 200. No, they're at half now, I think. Oh, the half. Are. So the 400 million there then. Um, it's 75% next year and then that's a whole lot for 26 from my understanding. Right. I mean, it's okay. obviously... I don't think they've actually published it, but that's what everyone says it's going to be. Well, in which case, they're probably getting on for $700 million into it. But they've got an engine programme that's going along, according to what I've heard, fairly well. But, I mean, that's still two years away. It leaves them in this limbo. Um, 
I'm I'm sort of surprised, but not that Joe Guanyu and Valtteri Bottas are still there because I, I know that anybody, if they got the call, would go to Formula One if they weren't in Formula One. But given everything we've talked about, I, I kind of think going to stake F1 team kicks out. Um, um, I, 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 it's a it's got to be a poison chalice because you just don't know what your future is going to be. Well. Valtteri Bottas has got a three-year contract when he joined, and this is year three. And Joe finally has a Chinese Grand Prix this year. So that's your answer to those questions. Well, yes, um, That's why they're still there. They're, you know, and, and they're both relatively tidy drivers for a team at this level. Um, I still think Valerie. I like Valerie. Uh, uh, Valtteri, sorry. I like Valtteri. I, I, I think he's a good character. I don't. People think he's a bit dour and he's a bit, you know... Uh, odd, but I like him being odd, and I don't Finish. think he's not anywhere near as doer as as people think. Um, and I still think he's got something to give. I, I I would I would be I would be surprised if he lasts all the way into the Audi era, uh, perhaps. But then, if he did, I wouldn't be shocked if that makes sense. I could see somebody else coming in. I don't know whether Joe's done enough to stay on. Um, Particularly if uh, with somebody like Sainzi about, I don't know. But this year, again, the thing, the it's thing tough is, though, John, the 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 in the this constant saying of what on earth are Audi doing, which we 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 agree with, but the constant coming 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 back and we know it's fine, no, it's not. Is that's that's also amplified by the existing teams to prevent their engineers and people leaving to join the uh, the team that has problems anyway recruiting into switzerland yeah um so you know it, it's it's it, you have to look around the noise the fact is that the, the this year state kicks out ferrari blah, blah, um <laughs> appear to design a car that's better than last year's car and they've given it some green highlights which is quite sweet um so you kind of think it's going to be doing what it was doing last year which is snaffling around picking up perhaps the odd point on a good day, you know, perhaps get into Q3 on a good day, um, but not, you know, challenging the front. Um, but, of course, this indecision around the what's going on it affects everything because obviously there's a lot of investment which is coming on stream, including, you know, driver loop simulators and new wind tunnels and improved CFD, which obviously the current team would quite like to use. Um, so, yeah, it's important. It's important to think about where they're going, but it is a really, I, I think... If I was to advise anyone in the future, I'd say don't buy a team like this. It's not the way to do it. it doesn't help anybody. No. You know. No. Um, we're halfway through and still to come, um, we have uh, a three Mercedes engined teams or entrants, should I say, as we're going through constructors, actually, is what we're going through, and two Honda uh, engined teams. Uh, Nick Damon is with me, John Hindorf, as we're looking forward to the Formula One World Championship, the FIA Formula One World Championship for 2024. So we rock up right in the middle lane where... Going into the second half with uh, the second uh, union-flagged cars uh, for a British team. Uh, this is, in terms of its constructor, which is how we're doing this in alphabetical order, McLaren Mercedes. Uh, they are running the MCL38 chassis with the Mercedes AMG F1 MI5, not M15, sorry, engine. Um for the McLaren F1 team, number four is Lando Norris and number 81 is Oscar Piastri. Nick? Yeah, so, you know, game of two halves of the season, of, well, mm. first third and the second two thirds McLaren, they, they came out of the blocks terrible. Um, 
And in the, by the last third of the season, they were kind of vying for being the second or third best team on the grid, thanks to a succession of upgrades that actually worked. I've, I've never I've never seen a, an upgrade work as well. I mean, I've, I've, I've been doing this for 26 years, and it, it, oh, so-and-so's got an upgrade, it's going to vault into the front. They never did. It moved them a tiny bit, and everyone else is developing as well. But certainly... McLaren did vault themselves way higher, and it, you could also you could say it's because they designed a rotten car to begin with, rather than their <laughs> upgrade was so great. But you know, it's kind of like yin and yang. But um, Nick doing that within the constraints of the cost cap was actually pretty impressive. Mercedes couldn't change their concept, couldn't make enough difference. McLaren weren't talking about changing their their concept, but they they did, as you rightly say, they improved. When you saw those little graph graphics about who was quicker through the season, that that found not tenths of seconds, that found seconds on the field. It was it was very impressive. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, what teams can't afford to do now is build new chassis, mm. which they could do in the past. So when we come to Mercedes, that, that Mercedes you're seeing now, there would have been something like that by two-thirds of the way in, in the season last year in the in the days of unlimited spending. They yeah. had that whole new concept because they realized right at the beginning of the season they made a mistake. And then they mm. fiddled around the edges with what they could afford to do. Um, we'll come to that in the Mercedes. And it, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, of course, the other thing that happened to McLaren is they had one of the nicest surprises ever when they found they'd found the next big thing in drivers. And Oscar Piastri, everyone said, might be a, a good driver. Don't forget, he's an RC champion back in when he was 10 years old. Um so, you know, uh, RC racing made it all the done. way thanks to Radio Control. Yes. Um, but Oscar, um, you know, turned out to be as good as everyone thought he would be. Um, and, ha- you know, by the end of the season, certainly in qualifying and the sprint race, it was not, hadn't quite got the time management, but that's something you, you learn. That's one of the reasons you are a rookie. Um, was was getting on terms with Lando. So one of the most interesting things about McLaren, if we, if we actually take out um, their relative performance to the nine other teams, is how the performance of the Internecine Rifles is going to go. Because Lando, of course... I think surprised a lot of people by re-signing a long-term contract over the winter when there were, you know, he obviously didn't know there'd be a Mercedes seat and he didn't, but we, we all speculated there might be a, a Red Bull Honda seat. So, but he signed up for a longer period with McLaren. McLaren got both their drivers, I think, signed up for at least three years. So they've got a very stable team. There's obviously performance break clauses on both sides, but, you know, in a normal world, Land will be there for a long time. Um, but he's now got to make sure he can put Oscar Piastri to bed or at least no, show he is still the team leader, and and Oscar's got a target to, to go for. So they, they they can actually have a great great fun in verdict come with fighting on themselves. Car itself, again, they said it's not quite the version they want to get out on the road. They've missed a couple of they haven't missed, they haven't missed performance targets. They've missed they they have a couple of um, upgrades that they couldn't get to the track in time. With the things they found out towards the later part of the development, they are still building, but they'll come in. Mm. Um, over the course of the next few races, car looked okay, not spectacular, but it's only testing. Um, and in that chasing pack, it's you know, which, which really is, you know, in many ways, it's it's the three Mercedes teams. So you're kind of wondering which order they're in. Yeah. Uh, sorry, without Williams, of course. I mean, uh, McLaren, uh, Aston Martin, and Mercedes themselves. It's hard to tell. And I think that the, I think the team was relatively positive. Um, had a couple of problems. That's what testing's for. They know they've got a, an upgrade path. Um, think, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's been a positive um, movement for them. But whether they can kind of establish themselves as number one challenger, you know, it, it remains to be seen. I think they, they, yeah, it's going to be about development. They have got a – they've got, as I said before, the two things that you need, which is two very good drivers who are very motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it should be a much better complete season for them because they won't have this um, problem at the start of the season. But whether at the end of the day um, it ends up being as good is going to depend on how they develop compared to the other teams around them. Uh, next up is the Mercedes team as a constructor um, running under Mercedes-AMG Petronas F1 team with the F1 W15 uh, Fiwis um, and the Mercedes AMG F1 M15 engine. Uh, uh, the uh, one of only two teams on the grid that has uh, their two drivers from the same country. Uh, the other one being Alpine that we've talked about. This is uh, Lewis Hamilton in the 44 and George Russell in the 63. Now, I I, I kind of feel a little bit for the Brackley team. Um, I drive past there quite a lot, um, backwards and forwards across the year 43. And it seems that they were a year early with their concept. Um, because if you get Adrian Newey copying your car, you know you've done something right in the first place. We'll come to that in a moment. It wasn't it wasn't a great year for them last year. It was probably the, the worst car that they built in a set of regulations, as we've talked about, where they, they couldn't easily change the concept. So the W15 is coming along. Um, it would seem... So, so, well, I should say this. Some people have said that the reason Lewis is leaving is because the car isn't any better. I'm not sure I buy into that. I think the reason that Lewis is leaving is because Ferrari offered him more of what he wanted, and that might not have just been um, money um, contractually, etc., etc. It's a big year for them. They don't want another year like last year. And they want something to build on to offer someone who's coming in because obviously they're still going to have something like the same car in 2025. What have you seen from them so far that would make you think that Toto has pulled all the right levers? Um, yeah, I mean, several points there. First of all, let's just talk about Carla Berman. They, they made an absolute horlicks of last year by being over-inspired by the 2022 results in Brazil when the cars won and were dominant for reasons which became evident later. It wasn't entirely to do with themselves. Um, They stuck with the concept. They realised they'd made a mistake as soon as it hit the ground in Bahrain and there was nothing they could do. Financially, they couldn't do anything about it and all they could do was twiddle around the sides and be upset about the whole. They'd done a number of changes and none of them had really helped. The the drivers didn't like the car. That was the key point. Uh, It was, you know, it was... um, unstable on turning was one of the key things a number of other problems with it. it was slow again it was draggy again they still haven't worked out the downforce of drag and whilst they'd cured the porpoising um you know that was about it and they and they yeah at the end of the day they came second in the constructor change that's that's mm. the definition of a really bad season is coming second but you know you have high standards after winning seven in a row uh constructor championships um the key thing was you know is they, they they fired mike um his name's completely left me and um you know they went back to the the the, the the previous winning formula and and then they re- redesigned the car uh, and produced this w15 which i said which i said something like that would have turned up during last season um if it hadn't been for the fact they hadn't they weren't allowed to spend the money and my argument against the cost cap is this problem is mm. it actually whilst whilst the cost cap was put in to theoretically make things fairer it actually um cements advantage yeah so if you Mike want to Elliott, try and come back against way. someone, it, 
Mike yeah, Elliott. Mike, thank you. Because if you, if you look at if you, if you look at yeah you know, the start of the um, hybrid seasons back in 2014, 15, 16, the Mercedes was 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 dominant by a 17 Ferrari had come back because they'd thrown all the money in the world at it. Yeah, and then then they obviously started throwing some more conceptual ideas about how engines should work, and that was um, slapped down a couple of years later. But anyway, but it was it, yeah because it was the money that let them come back, and and I thought, money isn't a dirty word. The point about F1, as I keep saying, it's the pinnacle. <laughs> F1 should be testing every week. F1 should be burning an engine every week, and if you can't. You know, if you can't live in the then you're going to go bust. Go bust. It's fine. I'd rather have eight teams literally going for it, and then we could have Andretti on board because they could burn money at both ends. And that's how. But anyway, we've got this kind of PC version of F1 where everyone's pretending everyone loves everyone else, and you can't do anyway. Uh, hang on, soapbox taken off. So Mercedes, so Mercedes have come back with this new concept of car. Now I think we'll just talk about the car. Um, you know, it's, it's very noticeable that I think they and not we can't think of any other team but had this kind of progression during the test as it kind of worked out how the damn thing you know functioned so much so that towards the, the third day of the test they were trying some little bit a little bit of an innovation they, they had which is which was um optional suspension pickups at the front so they were trying to see whether yeah. again working about this platform controlled anti-dive so they, they seemed to have a, a test where they were still getting to learn the car getting to know the car uh, working things through and at the end of the day their overall pace was probably you know third fourth ish um without doing a long run it was hard to tell on that front my feeling is that mercedes had done this before and had relatively unimpressive tests and come back and the car's been a lot better yeah i think about the mercedes it's got because it's absolutely brand new it's not you know, none of the other cars have got brand new car they've all oh, got a new car. they're not they're, they're, they're fiddling around the edge mercedes went down a complete blind alley and they've, they've done a you know handbrake turn and come back they to me have the most room to improve so I think even between last Friday and this Saturday coming, there will be a marked improvement in that car yeah. because that's what they, they will do. And uh, whether it's whether they they say they've got single lap pace issues, whether it's that, but I think that's the car that's going to be the dark horse for the race number one. They've also got this clever front wing that they have uh, been working with the FIA and uh, FIA say, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Now, that doesn't mean the FIA won't at some stage in the future say, no, it isn't. Um, but one or two other teams are, have been looking at that and thinking if it can work, it could be a game changer. And they have had problems at the front end of the car uh, in in the previous iteration. They've had problems at both ends of the car, to be honest. Well, that's um, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 it, 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 that's my feeling. My feeling is the car was fine for three days of testing and seemed reliable and you know okay, and then you could look, you know, but I think they had the absolutely the biggest chance to improve. And then we get to the the third part of uh, of the situation, which is the drivers. Um, Lewis Hamilton is leaving the team, um, and the reason he's leaving the team is exactly the same reason that Fernando Alonso left Alpine. Yeah, and they left Alpine because the teams went. You're quite old. Um, we aren't really sure uh, whether you'll still be any good in a couple of years' time. So what we'll do is we'll give you a one-year contract and then some options because we want to hedge our bets in case you go off the boil because you're old. Um, and I don't think it works that way anymore. No. And and Lewis went. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'll take me one plus one. And then Fred Vasseur, who knows Lewis very, very well from his junior formula days, turned yes, around and said, I really love you, Lewis, and I want to give you a two-year contract, and John Elkin wants to give you um, some stuff for your diversity. Please come and drive for us. And he goes, all right, then, because you love me. And mm. let's be honest, that's what most drivers want. They want to be loved yep. by their teams. It's, yep. you know, they are... 
it was, yeah, that's and and that's that's the reason. Death. There's not there's nothing else about it. I mean, yes, I'm sure driving a Ferrari is fantastic, and he, yeah, Lewis Hamilton doesn't need a pension. Lewis Hamilton doesn't need the money. Lewis Hamilton will be a very very comfortably rich man, as will his children if he has them, and their grandchildren as well. There's that much money already stopping around the Lewis Hamilton banker. Lewis wants to make a difference, a difference he sees outside of F1, and obviously he wants to win F1 races, which is a fine ambition i think and Does that's he, what ferrari I, I, offer him you, um you've made a good point there as well though um which i hadn't thought about if i'm honest nick um with no disrespect to mercedes amg petronas f1 team and indeed mercedes the road cars ferrari's a bigger name in the sport and a bigger name in the automotive world and if if you know lewis is a huge name and He's the he is the biggest name in Formula One. Um, Max Verstappen hates that quite clearly. He's transcended the sport in what he does with his diversity work and his charity work. And and I'm, that's an interesting point you've made there. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe Ferrari just enhances that in a way that the Brackley team and you know a German car company doesn't. Um, one thing I would say is anybody who thinks that Lewis Hamilton will be just phoning it in this year is doesn't know him at all. I'm, I am not and never have been a Lewis Hamilton super fanboy apologist at all, but I recognise certain things in him. And um, he... Even when the car was rubbish last year, he was wringing its neck and trying to get the most out of it. And I can't see him doing anything less than that this year. No, I think I think you know there's there's, a, there's an ad there's an ad from football I think which says uh, form is temporary, class is permanent. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting. I mean, Lewis hated that car last year, hated everything about it, hated mm. how, it, how where he was sitting in it, hated how it drove the lot. And I thought. I think for some of the season, I'll be honest with you, I think he was just saying, oh, I'm sixth. That's fine. Mm. I'm sixth. But whenever he got a sniff, whenever he got a sniff, it, you suddenly saw yep. the world champion turn up. It hurt. Yep. I mean, Cota obviously didn't quite work because of the um, plank. I thought the most significant thing I saw was um, in Singapore when mm. obviously the Red Bulls were out of the picture. So the, the, the win was up for grabs from the other teams. And they stopped the McLaren, sorry, the Mercedes, stopped the Mercedes, um, during a safety car and the teams in front, I think it was Norris and Sainz didn't stop. So they had a tire advantage, but Russell was ahead of Lewis and they came out of the gates and Russell went off and, you know, really pushed for it and, and burnt his tires out. And Lewis was slow for two laps. You know, oh, he's slow for... And then suddenly this whole thing came and he just monstered the field. Obviously, you know, he got as close as he could. They should have let him pass George, but it wasn't, wasn't pretty possible to do. And then George Foss fell off on the last lap, and it, and, it, and it went to now. But there was five or six laps, but you just thought, this, that is a world champion. And we saw it again. Yeah, this is not a Lewis fanboy moment, because we saw it two or three times with Alonso as well last year. Correct. There's something different about these guys. Yes, they can have me. They can have races when they look like a 39-year-old or a 40-year-old who couldn't be bothered anymore. They've done it too much. But you give them a sniff, you give them the tiniest chance, and they just have something different. And that's why they are all-time greats, not yeah. just goods. And, and I saw it for Alonso, and I saw it at Hamilton, and there's no reason why it will happen this time again, um, which is George Russell's challenge. George Russell has to has to get to a point where when Lewis you know, does his donuts at the end of Abu Dhabi in 10 months' time and says goodbye to Mercedes, we all go, oh, yeah. Um, the Mercedes have got to feel they've got a new team leader. And... I think at the moment, I think Russell, Russell hasn't really done anything wrong in the in the couple of years he's been in the team. He hasn't done that much, I think, spectacularly right either. Um, so 
we'll be looking yeah, that could be the car that could be the learning process hmm. it could be just but i i don't think anybody in their right mind um who's not a you know one of the many f1 detractors of, of lewis hamilton or a mad max fanboy would not say that lewis hamilton is still the better driver as they enter this season than george russell yeah totally a uh, couple of Honda Red Bull powertrain engine car now. The engine is the Honda RB PTH002. And we'll start with the end, uh, the constructor rather, that is RB Honda RBPT for the Visa Cash app RBF1 team. Um, yeah. Um, it is the year of the very, very long names. Uh, knee Alpha Tauri, knee everything else. Uh, the aerodynamic. Uh, side of things for that team have now moved to Milton Keynes to be closer to the parent team. Uh, it, it's it's ever more closer than ever, and, and it's ever more closer than ever. It's closer than ever, mm. and uh, that's causing some consternation and some controversy. Uh, but I, I can't believe that people thought there was anything else happening down through the years either um daniel ricciardo in the number three and yuki sonoda in the number 22 danny rick um back uh, after it was nick de Vries, wasn't it that he replaced um in the early part of last season i don't think it was quite the return that he was hoping for but it's a clean slate uh, when they restarted uh at the weekend, I think the the, the issue really with the, it's been started already by by Zach Brown and everyone else is not quite piling on yet because they're waiting to see what happens. But this this second team ownership in a in a franchise model of only ten teams that's that's the issue. I mean, realistically, yeah, everyone had a look at the the RB team and it was a terrible name, and they said, oh, it's going to be a RB nineteen Red Bull RB RB nineteen clone. It's not. Yes, they've, they've, they've taken all the bits they're allowed to take, which is front and rear suspension, gearbox, engine. That's absolutely fine. It's the same as um, uh, Aston Martin take from uh, Mercedes. Mercedes. It's not an yeah. issue at all. Um, so It is, by the way, I, I forgot to mention the chassis. It is VCARB01, so VCARB01. VCARB. Yeah. Sounds like something that you try and stay away from if you're trying to lose weight. V-carb or... I'm on no, the V-carb or no, one diet. Sounds to me like some sort of hop-up you used to get on a muscle car. I've got the V-carbs! Oh, oh wow. Yes. Um, okay, yes, I see you. Mean. Yeah, very good. <laughs> but, um... So, yeah, so the basic... The t- the, the, but the aero in the car is completely different. It works on some improved aero they came up to in the end of last year. So there's no... I don't think this silhouette car is, is an issue. The ownership is an issue, and the reason that people are moaning is not—it's not anything to do with the RB team. What they're bothered about is that the learnings RB make from their limited wind tunnel and CFD time will be interpreted and used by the parent team, and they're all going, oh, "It doesn't happen." But then, let's be honest: yes, you can you can have a FIA person meandering down and having a look at the various emails, but if Barry talks to Jochen in the pub. Mm. what can you do yeah and this is the point and it i'm not saying it happens not saying it happens but it could and they're on the same campus they're having coffee and lunch together they are now yes well we found this thing with the you know the wing mirrors oh and and that that it's so the suspicion is there also 
there are, yeah, there are other teams who'd be better custodians, I think, of this second team has been shown by the uh, lack of love it's been given since in the last two years, the uh, last year or so since um, Dieter died. The yeah, they've not helped themselves the renaming, but of course. The moving of the team more onto the Milton Keynes campus actually makes it harder to resell. Well, that's a good point. There's not a lot of value to someone who, you know, if you move a lot of your processes uh, onto the campus, um, how do you then split back out again when somebody buys you? So, so do you, you think know, that's deliberate then? Do you think that is deliberately? No, a, a, that's that's no. It's it's not because what you have to realise is it was a conversation. Well, no, because this this whole thing has, has flared up more recently and it's, and it's been obviously been absolutely highlighted by the andretti situation mm. um you know it doesn't matter yeah you know, if no one else wants to buy a team then one one, one company can buy own 10 teams doesn't matter does it um but <laughs> if you start denying entry to people and someone else has got two it gets a bit weird but the, the decision was made by the red bull board since again the passing of diesel what to do with this second team and they and effectively they moved it large percentages of it to the Milton Keynes campus for economies of scale and make things more efficient. Nothing to do with, with it, that was a purely a board-based cash decision as boards do. It was nothing to do with, right. and of course the political thing off that is everyone starts saying, well, you're going to start cheating is perhaps the wrong word, but you're going to start sharing information, which is anyway. And it's a problem because it's, it, the problem is, is that the fact is that the, the, the cross of information will happen yeah. and that shouldn't happen. Because, you know, if a bloke from McLaren goes out for a, a, a beer with a bloke from Mercedes, he's not going to tell me their secrets, is he? No. Uh, and vice versa. They're just going to talk – they're going to talk about, you know, football and the latest Netflix film or whatever it is. But, you know, you get Red Bull and Visa Cash App, RB, whatever they are, having a chat. Why not? You're the same mm. team. You're owned by the same people. Mm. Um, you know, and that's the problem. Um, going on to drives themselves, you can know that um, this is his fourth season. Uh, if he really – you know, the, 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 the carrot for – for both Ricciardo and Snowder is Sergio Perez's seat at the main team. The stick for both of them is that Liam Lawson's been promised to drive by Helmut Marco for next year. So that's where they're at. Snowder, mm. kind of think, you know, he's got flashes. He could yeah. be okay. Ricciardo didn't, as you said quite right, he didn't really indicate anything that he got over his slump of the last couple of years. You know, it's, 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 it's weird. Some, some, you, you got your, for every, you know, Lionel Messi and, um, Cristiano Ronaldo, who carry on being great into their late thirties, you've got superstars who fade by thirty, like Wayne Rooney. You know, you just mm. you don't, all these drivers can keep it up all the time, and sometimes you peak at thirty, and that's it. Sometimes you, you're still going at forty-one, and you've got the best, the best uh, cardio ever, TM, like um, Fernando Alonso. Hey, hey, uh, I mean, we're straying into the end of season already and almost dismissing the season because there's going to be so many changes next year with you know Hamilton is the is the first basically knocks the dominoes all over the place never mind just knocks a couple over it's the spread across the floor uh, in terms of the shuffle that will potentially go on but would Daniel Ricciardo not be a better uh, number two to Max Verstappen than Sergio would in terms, or, or at least should I say, is that what he's got to prove this year that he can he can rack up more points um, with in the in the in the other side of the team than than Sergio can? Well, the 2017 Danny Ricciardo would be a much better option. Mm. Um, but we're looking at the 2020. 2024, 2025, and it's that's that's the thing. Um, can he get it back? You know, well, has he got that class to be permanent? Or did he just, just have a couple of years? And it's, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. But it, yeah, he's got a whole year run at it. 
Um, back refreshed, and let's let's see what he can do. Is the question. But I, my personal feeling is, is that mm, realistically, let's let's say this right now. I know there are political issues which could this a problem. But if you've got a checkbook and you've got a choice between Danny Rick or um, Carlos Sainz, who are you going to sign? Sainz. Of course. Goes without saying, it's like but, it's, but it's would the you, no brainer but, of no brainer. But would you potentially sign Liam but, Lawson instead of either of them? Because you wouldn't sign Lucas and Order. Not to go, no, 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 not to go straight in the top team. That's that's the same disaster that befell them with Gasly and Albon. Hmm. So, no. Okay. Um, as I say, we're looking slightly further ahead than this year, but these are the questions that will be being asked all the way through the season, um, particularly of. of Sergio and, and Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, let's move on to the other side of that four-car garage then. Um, and the Red Bull Racing Honda RBPT constructor with the RB20, with that long-named uh, Honda RBPT H002 engine, for Oracle Red Bull Racing. Max Verstappen, number one, and number 11 is Sergio Perez. At least I see the sense in their numbering. Um <laughs> well, we've already spoken plen- uh, at length about, effectively, about everything to do with this team. So let's quickly uh, wrap up where they are. They've uh, Adrian Newey has has worked his magic again. Um, they were a bit clever with some of the renders and uh, even some of the cars that were shown testing. They weren't the final versions of the car. They're just playing with people, which suggests to me if they can be bothered to do that and tease people, they feel they're in a pretty good place, Nick. Yeah, the the question marks over Red Bull this season are nothing to do with the car and everything to do with the personnel. Mm. And that's their team principal and their number two driver. Mm. That's where your questions are. Um, the team principal may be answered in the next few days and we've no idea which way that'll go. Um, however... Let's say it's he is acquitted. The stigma stays these days, unfortunately. If yeah. he has been, if he is innocent. Um, yeah. Uh, Perez needs to improve um, his performances. There was no indication he was much better during the test, but you don't know what program he was on. I don't. Th- I, I. I don't take this con- thing that Newey has stolen loads of ideas from Mercedes. There's nothing. The only thing that looks a bit <laughs> like the Mercedes is those rear sort of the rear bodywork. I mean, the, the cooling idea is it's not a zero pod. It's like, the thing I like is that they, they spent all of last year, everyone saying the pods aren't that important. And now suddenly, because someone's got a new design, it's the most important ever. What they've basically done is because they designed a car that was so good last year, they've had a whole year to design this one, which is just basically another moving forward. You know, and you traditionally get those yeah. uh, uh, you know, move forwards each year in the car. And yeah, it's got a slightly different cooling regime. It's not, it's not, you know, They've still got side pods. They've still got ducts. Yeah. It's just that they, they've worked out to how to optimize. They, they already optimized the um, the suspension platform. They'd optimize the underfloor. They'd optimize the aeros. And now they're optimizing the cooling. It's just the next thing to go, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, and it's just a, a team that's working at the top of its well, game. Now, you, you pointed out, though, Nick, realistically, that there's not, there's not a lot of money to spend on a car that was as dominant as it was last year. So, you know, there's no major changes. Mercedes have had to go in for a major change. Red Bull have not. So they've been able to look at things, as far as we know, they'd identified some of these things last year, but they just couldn't do it because of the cost cap. No, more likely they couldn't do it because it would involve, yeah, yeah, it involved moving major structures around, which are too difficult to do during the seasons. And they didn't need to, John. Didn't need to do anything last year. 
That's a um, fair, fair and, point. And you know, and and realistically, looking at testing, yeah, they weren't the fastest car, but it was. There's, there's, there's no way that anybody in their right mind can not predict a Red Bull and Max Verstappen World Championship this year. Mm-hmm. Um, your only hope is it's slight, and again, and I'm trying to be optimistic here. He only wins about 16 of the 24 races and not 23, mm. because the, the you know a three tenths of a second advantage is a guaranteed win if you don't make a mistake or the team doesn't muck up. And let's be honest, one thing about Red Bull as a team is they are fantastic as yeah. a team. Yeah. They've got great strategists and great pit work. Yeah. So then you go for reliability. There was no unreliability within the on the Max Verstappen side of the garage last year. It, 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 yeah, that, that was, so you kind of go, right, so he's not going to break down. They're not going to muck up. Things, there's always an outlier. So that's 23 races he's going to win. Um, that's if he's 0.3 a second faster. Yeah. So then you kind of go, oh, God. But, you know, we might be like, teams might come back at him. He might only win 16. Hmm. And as for the team situation, as you pointed out, um, whatever happens, and there's there's all kinds of rumour and reports, actually, uh, direct quotes from people in the higher-ups of Ford, which is Red Bull's future. Yeah. Not right now, but that's their future. But if that goes south, what it does do is it changes their it changes the dynamic for this year. And just cruising through to another world championship this year isn't what's going to happen. They're going to have to replace Ford if Ford all of a sudden decide that everything's taking too long to yeah. get. But I don't, I, don't well, see, I don't see it affecting overtly and primarily. It's not going to affect the performance of the team this year, what's going on behind the, t- the scenes for the future. Well, that's a different matter, but I don't see it affecting the performance of the team in terms of race results. If, no. if, if Christian Horner has to leave the team um, either this weekend or next weekend, it will have not one influence no. on, I think, anything this season. Um, totally agree. It's interesting you raise. It's interesting you raise the Ford point. Um, you know, the Americans are very, very, very sensitive about the um, corporately about the Me Too issues, which obviously this, this, if it's proven, falls under. And this is my point earlier that even if he, this, these particular um, allegations are um, overturned or you know said to be not not without base, I feel he is heavily damaged within that American corporate culture. Mm. Unfairly if he's innocent, but that's the world we live in today. Yeah. Um, and finally, Esther, as they used to say <laughs> on that's life. Um, oh, it's showing your age now. Yep. Uh, the last of the teams, the last of the 10 teams is Williams Mercedes with their FW46 mm-hmm. Mercedes AMG F1 M15 engine. Uh, for the constructor Williams Mercedes and Williams Racing is the entrant by far. Um, I mean, th- there's them. What would you say? There's Williams. There's McLaren. There's Scuderia Ferrari that don't have a um, a sponsor in the team name. Uh, number two is Logan Sargent. I think after going through a long 2023 season, there was a lot to reflect on. Um, but at the same time, I needed some time to, I guess, let my mind, my body rest, relax, uh, spend some time with family, friends. Just honestly, you need to get that, that complete disconnect from, from racing for a little while. Uh, but once we got through that, got into a crazy amount of training. I feel fitter than I've ever been. 
Um, so I've been putting a lot of work in there. I think, you know, mentally, emotionally, was able to reflect on, you know, what I went through last season, how I can be better than what I was last season. And, um, yeah, just going through the motions, trying to maximize everything. And, um, yeah, I feel better and healthier than ever and uh, ready to go. I think the biggest thing I've learned is, well, it's nice to have a year under my belt. I know everything that I'm, you know, what, what to expect, um, everything that's going to be coming at me. So that's already a huge, a huge benefit compared to last year. Uh, by the same time, I also learned you really have to maintain yourself and manage yourself over the course of a season, which um, I probably didn't completely understand going into last season and um, something I definitely want to you know, be better at, better at this year. Um, that goes for, for many things from trying to keep yourself physically in good condition, um, mentally fresh, um, emotionally fresh as well. So just a, a lot of things that I feel like I can manage better um, to, to keep performing consistently better throughout the year. I think scoring points in Austin was obviously the perfect and best place I possibly could have done it. It was just a um, a picture-perfect day. I think, as we know, it wasn't the easiest to, to score points every weekend with, with the car we had, but um, to have both cars in the points that day was amazing um, on home soil, not just for, for me, but I guess kind of a half-home race for the team, which was, which was also nice. And um, I'd say it was one of my most enjoyable days yet in a Formula One car and um, hoping for a lot more of those here in uh, 2024. Personally my target is pretty simple. Um, not a lot changes um, year in year out obviously to be better than last year but um, you know to keep it relatively general it's just to be able to maximize whatever package we have week in week out be more consistent um, you know, deliver more often than not, and um, really that's, that's the goal of any driver, no matter what car you're in. It's just um, influenced by the package, and um, we want to get the most out of it. From a team perspective, I think obviously everyone wants to take a step forward. Um, how much that step's going to be is, is yet to be determined, but um, I think we're all optimistic that it can be a, a decent one. Obviously 2023 was the most involved I've been with the team um, of course I think obviously through many ups and downs um, to always feel the support from James but also the board um, everyone in the team to be honest is is always nice to to feel like you always have that support to keep pushing um, to never give in is always nice but from a, a bigger picture I feel like since 2021 I've always had that support and um, I've always felt very much part of the family and um, yeah, that support has, has never left. It is definitely still there and I just wanna do my best to you know, make everyone proud and make those decisions um, worthwhile. Now Alex has been a, a great teammate, to be honest. Um, I'd say one of the most open, uh, respectful, helpful teammates I've ever had. Um, obviously, hopefully, as the challenge increases um, I'm sure those things will, will go away a little bit but um, no we have a we have a great relationship I think even when you take it away from the driving bit we we have a good time we we laugh a lot which is which is always fun and um, I'd say generally just a, a very good dynamic within the team and um, someone I love to work with number 23 is Alex Albon I do think 2023 was was a good year I feel like we 
seemed to, as a team, maximise every opportunity we had. Um, why did it make it better than previous years? I think more than anything, it was down to just the chemistry, having another year with the team, them understanding me, me understanding them. And um, Weirdly, I think a lot of laps in Formula One helps um, as well, just to make you, you a better driver. So um, it turned out to be a great year for me, as well as the team. It gives me a lot of confidence going into this year. I feel like this year with a car that will be very different, I think it's going to take a lot of time to adapt to it. Um, but that's where that chemistry is going to be so important to try and learn the car as quickly as possible. The 46, the approach that we took was looking at our weaknesses from last year and realising that without a big change, we're not going to, to fix them. So a lot of work and effort got put into changing um, or focusing on the FW46 very early on. It meant that last year we were a little bit compromised in terms of updates towards the end of the season. Um, but that puts us in a good place this year. Uh, in terms of driving, I th actually think it's going to be quite difficult to, to adapt. Um, a lot of work already on the simulator. They've been, they were taken over some time ago by a venture capitalist firm. They are maximising their investment. As we've said many times before, Formula One is no longer a money pit in which to uh, back up truckloads of enter name of your currency here and tip them in. Uh, quite the reverse. It is, uh, if done correctly, there is money to be made out of a Formula One team now. Uh, but Williams have not had a decent year for quite some time. And is the FW46 with Sergeant and Albon in the car, is that going to turn things around, Nick? Um, no, but not not a bad way. No, right. Um, because you and I are quite old, and therefore we remember what Williams was, and therefore turn around to us means um something significantly different to turn around to your more recent fan who True. only remembers them having a reasonably good year in 2014, the first year of the hybrid regulations. Um, Williams obviously on a massive rebuild. Um, under the guise of James Vowles, who's Turned out, and he's a bit of, you know, everyone loves James, which is which is great. And he's obviously identified a number of issues in what was effectively a chronically underinvested team, probably from about 2007 onwards. Doesn't um, yes, yes, when they when they kind of lost works engines and then drifted on, and even though they had a couple of false dawns, the fact was there just wasn't the investment going in as the lone privateer team in a in a period of of not plenty. You know, Correct. We, forget, we lost several teams in 2009 as underinvestment. You know the you know, I know you're not allowed to say this because of her gender, but I don't think Claire Williams was a good team principal. I don't think she helped the team. I don't. I think there were some some poor decisions made. Um, obviously, when Frank got on a bit, and obviously uh, prior to Frank's de death, they held onto the team too long, uh, or they didn't decide to refinance it in the right way. And it takes a very, very long time to get a team back to F1 standards that's been chronically underinvested in. Mm. Um, and that's what you know, James Vowles was saying. You know, he, he made the there was a quote, wasn't he? He was wandering around the the um, the factory. And he said, "What's that?" And he said, "Oh, it's a, it's, it's a machine that goes ping." Obviously, that's a Monty Python reference. It's a machine that um, apparently was a, a, a part of the sort of rapid prototyping machine, and it was you know it was, you know, it was the size of a you know two two cupboard two, two massive cupboards. And he's going, "But 
one we've got the size of a briefcase I said yeah we can't afford those ones so you know it's, it's that, that yeah, right. they had like a 20 year old machine still to so running around doing stuff and it's it's that element where there was that lack of investment and you can't fix that overnight you cannot fix that overnight nick because because that when you've perennially under invested in something you're playing so much catch up in so many different areas that um a whole heap of money does then have to be backed up to the front door. Or, and at that point, you're changing, you're not just changing bits and pieces, you're changing the way people work and the flow and the processes. And in some, in some ways, it's often better to just start again from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, of course, why we had this um, new regulation over the last year or so, maybe coming in this year, where certain teams are allowed a capital allowance outside of the mm. cost cap, where they're allowed to buy capital equipment to catch up. Um, I think Williams got, I think it's $30 million, I think it is. I'm not sure that's in one go or over a couple of years, but that's that's so they can buy stuff to have a chance of catching up you know, with actual capital expenditure. And obviously, they, it's checked and balanced against what's going on. Um yeah, I mean, and they've, they, they've going to the car and everything else. They've designed a, a car that's, a, a, say, a revised concept, a new concept. They, you know, it, the car they had last year was was kind of a development of the previous car, and they managed to optimise where it was very, very good on fast, fast tracks. It was very mm. low drag, slow downforce as well. But in some tracks, that didn't matter so much. And the low drag enabled um, Alex to put in some Alex Albon to put in some very good performances. Alex Albon won the stars. Driving-wise, the season his teammate Logan certainly not, and I'm very surprised he's got a second year. And it, there's only t- uh, and you kind of think that must be because Logan's grandfather is writing a massive check because there's no reason to keep him otherwise, and there's no reason it appeared in the test either. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird decisions that teams make sometimes because you don't know the full story of the money. Um, <laughs> you don't know why they've done it. Um, Follow because there's plenty the of people in F2 they could have picked up or some of the, some drivers, they could have, other well-financed drivers who kind of feel would do better than Logan. But, you know, I'm not team principal, so what do I know? Alex Alvin, however, you know, is now a hot property. Uh, and he will, I think, he's one of those drivers who every team needs who when the opportunity arises will maximize the opportunity so yeah. he'll come at you know, it's a good day i think i think about terry bottas is very similar when the car works he'll get the maximum out of it yeah perhaps you know like a lot of those drivers look a bit anonymous when the car isn't working so it's hard you know when you kind of go, oh he's not being rubbish this weekend but it was the car um testing didn't go brilliantly for me fairs they had, the, they had the least effective test with a lot of reliability issues however those tend to be the first day, so they've sorted those reliability issues out, which is, of course, what testing used to be about. Yeah. But now, you know, it's about doing 700 laps. But you know, um, I think they, I think there's kind of this this, this midfield which encompasses obviously kick stake F1 Sauber, not Audi, um, and you know, Haas and Alpine. They hope. Uh, and RB, though RB did seem to be slightly quicker in the test. It's going to be snapping around to pick up those ninths and tenths. Uh, and, and pick up points. But I, I right. think the Williams is a step forward, but I think everyone else has stepped forward as well, to be honest, All right. apart so, from Alpine. So we've got a few minutes left. Um, we know that mm-hmm. we know that the championship, uh, barring some intervention from a large pink pussycat or um, some intervention from the racing gods somewhere, uh, is going the way of, uh, of Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing Honda yep. RBPT. Just a question of how many mm-hmm. races he wins. Uh, where where are you putting the other teams then? So, best of the rest will be between what Mercedes and so Ferrari. If 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 you were going to do a championship over the first 
four races of the season. So when we when we come when, when we come back to Europe, I think it's four seasons race before we come back to, to Europe. It's, I, I think Ferrari will be the the leading challenger. I feel that Mercedes have a much bigger amount of development they can do on that car. Yeah, I think they have a chance to move it forward. And I think by the end of the season, Mercedes will be the biggest challenger to Red Bull. The question is how close either of those get to Red Bull. Yeah. Um, and that might be down to how much development Red Bull can bother to do on the new car. You know, so you know, it might be by the end they're very close, or Red Bull might still be three or four tenths ahead. Who knows? But I, so I think if you if you if you look at the beginning of the season, Ferrari be the closer challenger. I just feel that Mercedes are Mercedes have traditionally been very good at developing cars. Yeah, that's and, one and, of their strengths. And then the, then the next group. So you, so you've got Red Bull out front, and then Ferrari, a Mercedes, Mercedes, Ferrari. Then the next group is much harder to pin down. In I mean, mm. we can see who they are, well, but I can't McLa- tell you it's, it's, McLa- it's McLaren and Aston. It's McLaren yeah. and Aston. But the point about this is. McLaren Aston can still get, you know, there'll be weekends when they're both faster than Ferrari and Mercedes. Mm. Um, I think that's that's you know that's the the thing. But you're not going to uh, tip the, either the, McLaren the, yeah, or Aston to be second in the championship, are you? No, they won't be. I I I think you've got. If I was going to do championship, it's it's quite quite easy. You've got RB one, Ferrari and Mercedes battling over second, and McLaren and um, Aston Martin battling over four. Right. And the rest of them on any given weekend uh, roll a dice and see where they turn up. Is that what you see? I think the RB. I think the RB is the best car at the moment, but that doesn't. The second got RB. Twenty-four races development to go. The se- so it's, no RB or Red Bull. Right. That's we have to get that right now. It's RB or Red Bull, which is so irritating. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> because the Red Bull car is the RB. Tell you what this does prove, you know, John, their marketing departments aren't on the same campus. Well, well it's not on the same sheet of paper, for, <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> as ever, Nick will be doing his team-by-team team within Midweek Motorsport throughout the 2024 FIA Formula One season. Um, many people have said that's all they need to know about Formula One, and I have to say uh, it's become very a very popular part of uh, every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock UK time. Thanks to Nick for joining me over the last hour and a half or so. Uh, enjoy the first round of the championship coming up at the weekends. And... On a Saturday. Saturday. Oh, Saturday. yes. yes. Races on Saturday. Races on Saturday. First two rounds on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday races, eh? Um, we'll obviously be slightly busy with um, with endurance racing on that first Saturday. Um, and it just means Zach Brown's got a decision to make because he can't be... Well, I suppose he could wait till Formula 1's gone and then jump in a jet and fly to Qatar. It's not that big of a dif- distance. Nick, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure we'll find something to pick through uh, in your team by team on Midweek Motorsport throughout the season. And make sure you join us for those... Uh, every Wednesday from 8 o'clock on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.